Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. And welcome. I am Brett Winterbull. It's uh, Devious Motives, episode number nine. That's right, episode number nine for season number three. And uh, we've got uh, palace drama and uh, interesting insights to take a look at. Number one, I think it's important to understand that uh, the world of politics and the Devious Motives universe is not limited only to what goes on in the United States. Remember, all of these elections that take place, uh, whether they're in the EU, Brazil, Asia, the United States, the world watches these elections because the world wants to know, okay, who's the big dog riding in the saddle and who's not? And so we get to a story that I think was particularly interesting. And it's this back and forth that has taken root between the Biden administration and the Saudis. Now, remember, late last week, we got the word that the Saudis were, uh, were playing games. That they decided they were going to reduce by 2 million barrels a day the energy supply coming out of OPEC. OPEC plus one, which is OPEC plus Russia. And at the time, the administration was very upset. And you understand why the administration would be very upset, right? Because the administration is very upset over the idea that this is a country we've been in business with for 80 years. And let's be honest about this for a second, okay? It has not always been uh, sunshine and unicorns. But here's the other thing. And this is the thing that I've never understood why American presidents fail to use this as a weapon. Um, the Saudis were at least knowledgeable about the 9-11 attack on the United States. Osama bin Laden was a Saudi national. There were... There were mullahs inside of uh, Saudi Arabia that were supporting uh, Al-Qaeda's broader aims. I mean, please, please. We know the role that was played by the 19 hijackers. The vast majority, I think maybe all of them were Saudis. But here's the point. You don't have American presidents. Uh, President Bush, President Obama, President Trump. Now, President Biden, for whatever reason, they don't want to they don't want to use that card. They don't want to challenge the Saudis in that regard, which I do not understand. But that's the way the game is played. So when the Biden administration comes in and says, we want you to pump more oil. And there's a couple of considerations here. So I'm going to take them one at a time to sort of explain the set of circumstances. They tell the Saudis, we want you to pump more oil. Remember, it was President Biden fist bumping MBS, who's now the prime minister, basically, of Saudi Arabia. He'll be in charge of that country at some point. Um, he's told no. He's told no flat out. Uh, we reached out through a back channel in our diplomatic corps, and it's become clear because of the Wall Street Journal reporting on this, that we asked them to hold off. We, the White House, asked them to hold off on the OPEC cuts for a month, which if you if you put on the obvious cable channels with the obvious orientations, 
Uh, they're either being ignored on the left or now what we're doing is the whataboutism argument uh, on the right. And if you put on Fox, Newsmax, these channels, what you're hearing from the folks that are looking at this is, aha, that was a political favor asked for by the administration under the threat of political force. This is Ukraine 2.0, the Ukraine impeachment 2.0. Okay, maybe it is. Maybe it is. The, the reality is the Ukraine impeachment was as phony as a Rolex watch that you buy in a men's room in the Port Authority bus terminal in New York City. So I don't even want to elevate that particular argument. Did the president try to lean on the Saudis? Of course he did. Does the president try to lean on people around the world historically? Of course they did. How do you think we got in the relationship with the Saudis 80, 80 years ago? Roosevelt needed an ability to, to secure energy in that part of the world because of the war in World War II. This is the point. This is the point. This is not about impeaching Biden, but it is worth noting that Biden reached out for a political favor by the Saudis. But this is the real rub here, okay? Because they said no. They said no. And it has nothing to do with you, the school uh, teacher, the fireman, the accountant, the lawyer, the hedge fund trader has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with Biden. And I'm going to explain how this is the case. Number one, he should have known that asking for that was going to be an impossibility, given the fact that for eight very long years, the Obama-Biden-Jarrett administration attempted to seduce the Iranian government into coming into our sphere. An impossibility of impossibilities. They still continue to threaten our neighbors and allies in the Gulf. They still want to nuke the Israelis. They still want to nuke us. They're responsible for hundreds of deaths in Iraq, the, the, the Iranians are an absolute bandit government. I'm not talking about the people of Iran. They're trying to do their best to stand up to these mullahs. And the proof is in the pudding that the administration doesn't care about the people of Iran because they haven't even lent their voices to that struggle. And that's the second time they've sold them out. Uh, you could argue it's the third time a Democrat president has sold them out. Carter in 79 and then uh, Obama, Biden, and then Biden, Harris. They won't even give air support. And by air support, I mean speeches or attaboys or anything to those women that are in the streets of Iran. Item two. Item two. We sent them pallets of cash and did an Iranian nuclear deal on the back of an envelope because they didn't want to ratify it through the Senate, which is how you do all treaties. The Iranians will not play ball because... Donald Trump tore up the nuclear agreement. And yet, we are still negotiating with the Iranians to come back into the deal. And do you know who's on the other side of the table with the Iranians? The Russians. The Russians are part of those talks. Do you think the Russians are advising the Iranians to play ball with the Biden administration? So Joe Biden goes all in, pushes all his chips to the center of the table, talking about a deal with the Iranians. And then thinks he can go to the Saudis, their mortal enemy, and say, you got to hook me up on some oil here? 
What are you kidding? The, the, the rebels in Yemen are shooting rockets. Uh, these are rebels in Yemen that are connected to the Iranian forces. The Saudis are doing their own nasty stuff inside of Yemen. But the point of the matter is the man doesn't even recognize the neighborhood as being treacherous and dangerous. And so, and so, Al-Jaber, Adel uh, Al-Jaber, uh, Al he's somebody you've probably seen on television over a period of time in this country. He is the Saudi foreign minister. So he's like the Tony Blinken of Saudi Arabia. And he goes on CNN and he's asked a series of questions by the CNN uh, anchor. It's an overseas interview. It's CNN, CNN International, but I watched the whole thing. And he's basically saying, listen, um, we decided to cut the, the, the barrels by $2 million. We want more stability uh, in the oil market. And we are working with the Russians. And by the way, UAE wants to work with the Russians as well. So what does this mean to you driving around? It means the Saudis are not going to play ball. And the president goes and makes this ask. And then it gets out in the Wall Street Journal. And it makes him look really weak. Makes us look very weak. But it tells you something else, too. It tells you something else. And you have to always look through the lens of politics when it comes to the dynamic of power. You don't ever want to shoot all your bullets in a fight. And most of the time, you don't even want to have to use your bullets to win concessions in a fight. But what does this tell us? about the Saudis saying no to President Biden's request to delay by a month. What does it tell you? It tells me that the Saudis know he's going to lose at least the House and probably the Senate. Now, how do you connect these two things, Brett? Here's how you connect them. Remember I mentioned to you the cable channels where everybody was screaming about the Saudi quid pro quo is just like Ukraine's quid pro quo. What happened in the wake of the Ukrainian quid pro quo with Vindman and Charamella and Schiff and company? You had the Democrats run a partisan investigation to impeach Donald Trump, which had the added insult to injury of being run right up against COVID striking the world. And we were completely distracted in those first uh, weeks and months because while COVID was ravaging uh, over in Asia, we were impeaching Donald Trump. Nancy Pelosi was handing out pens to celebrate the impeachment of Donald Trump. What do you think the Saudis think about the idea that Joe Biden asked for a favor to delay by a month the cuts in the uh, OPEC deal because he wanted to save his own political skin. It means that they are well aware that the Republicans are likely to take over the House and probably the Senate, and they do not want to be on the wrong side of the appropriators running the government. They don't want to have their names and their kingdom dragged through the mud like we saw with Zelensky and Ukraine, which was turned into... Uh, b b b well before, I mean, two years before you have the invasion of, of Ukraine, it was being dismissed and regarded as sort of a, a goofy backwater. 
And the Saudis see that and say, you know, we don't want to get caught up in this. Joe Biden is 80 years old. We don't even think he's really probably going to run in 2024. We don't have to play ball with him. This is exactly what's going on. This is the politics that's going. And I'm not I'm not giving you this analysis because Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. I'm just telling you the way this is playing out. The reason why the Saudis say no to Biden on the ask is because they're confident the Republicans are going to take power back from this guy. Item two. After this. Welcome back. I am Brett Witterbull. You're listening to the Brett Witterbull uh, Devious Motives podcast, season three. Overnight on an interview with Jesse Waters on the Fox News channel, Ken Cuccinelli came out and uh, was asked a series of questions. Ken Cuccinelli was uh, uh, the guy in charge of uh, the border and security and, and all that sort of stuff that, that um, worked under the Trump administration. Um, Ken Cuccinelli was, was doing this interview and was talking about the fact that the Mexican government doesn't control their own border. In fact, not only does the Mexican government not control its own border, the Mexican government um, knows the cartels are controlling everything. Listen to this. The Mexican government does not control about a third of Mexico. And it, and it has never controlled all of its territory. And we suffer in the United States for that because these quasi-governmental entities, these uh, cartels that run parts of Mexico and use terrorist tactics, use that control of territory to arm themselves, train themselves, their bases of operations. They run industries of making fentanyl heroin and so forth and ship all of it into the United States where they're killing over 100,000 Americans a year. So the cartels are totally and completely 100% absolutely in control. Absolutely in control. And now you've got Alejandro Mayorkas being unmasked as lying about the whipping of migrants, the Haitian migrants down there on the border. He came out and condemned and excoriated uh, Customs and Border Patrol that were working down there on the border, um, Immigration and Customs Enforcement as well, uh, down there on the border on horseback and said that this was uh, reminiscent of the systemic racism of the United States of America, even though he knew full well, full well, that they were not whipping the migrants. Listen to this. I did more media for President Trump's administration than Mayorkas does. They don't let him out very often. I can tell you how this process works. And I anticipate that lie is coming, but I would be shocked, shocked, if he had not read that before he went up and said everything you just showed the American people again. He lied through his teeth and he threw the people he is responsible for not just the American people, but the people who work for him and put their lives on the line under the bus and um, knowingly. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't casual. He knew what he was doing when he did it. In my view, this is impeachable. Yeah. So how does he find that out and then not go into uh, the press room and say, "Ooh, wait a minute, we may be rushing to judgment here. It's because identity politics drives everything inside the beltway 
Republican or Democrat, depending on your identity, depending on whose ox is being gored, that's the way things work. And we have to understand this. This is an important point. The border and energy are, I think, along with crime, the three biggest issues in this election. The, 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 the forces of the Democratic Party, I think, believe it's abortion. Uh, they believe it's J6. And, and they believe it's the border for a totally different reason because they want to see uh, assimilation taking place into our country with these millions who have already come in and we don't know who they are. Remember, we still don't know who, who got in with the Afghan refugees coming into the United States after that debacle there in, uh, in Afghanistan. But it is important if you are a, a progressive of any uh, sort, it is very important for you to get on board promptly and rapidly to be a part of the social justice machine. And so what you have is social justice issues right up against meat and potato, inflation, energy prices, personal security, security, law enforcement, and then, of course, border security, which also encompasses the fentanyl. And still these wizards of smart will tell you as you watch the chat shows that the, the real issue of the day is going to be abortion. Let me remind you, since Dobbs, abortions have been performed probably every working day and a few weekends uh, since that decision came down. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Lee Williams. He's also known as the gun writer and has been uh, writing about Second Amendment firearms, the firearms industry, and the gun culture for more than 10 years. He's the chief editor of the Second Amendment Foundation's investigative reporting project and a frequent contributor to Ammo Land News and Armed American Radio. Uh, I'm glad to have you on the program, uh, Lee, and certainly I would, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that folks can get more information on Second Amendment Foundation at saf.org, uh, where they can get um, a whole wellspring of information. But the reason I wanted to have you on the program today was this shocking report that's come out that the FBI could actually be suppressing or hiding numbers indicating just how effective concealed carry citizens are. This is a shocking uh, development, my friend. Well, thanks for having me on, Brett. Uh, it is shocking, but unfortunately, it is not surprising. Uh, the FBI, just like the ATF, has been weaponized by the Biden-Harris administration. And, you know, they, they really forgot the oath they took when they took their badge and raised the right hand and promised and swore to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. This is not a small gap in data. This is a massive gap. The FBI said that 4.4% of active shooters were stopped by armed citizens and armed civilians, 4.4%. Dr. John Lott, who is one of our greatest assets in the gun rights community at the Crime Prevention Research Center, said the number is no, it's 34.4%. Wow. of active shooters are stopped. I mean, that's a 30-point difference. That's not moving a decimal point or a point zero one difference. That's huge. And and to me, that shows bias. What would be, uh, and it's hard to obviously read somebody else's mind, but what would be the, the rationale for the uh, FBI to not play straight with these numbers? I mean, wh wh why would, what would benefit them in that, in that regard? Well, it wouldn't benefit them. It would benefit Biden. Gotcha. and the Biden-Harris administration. The FBI is doing what they're told. 
the last thing they want to do is say that, hey, concealed carry works. Mm -hmm. I mean, half the country right now has constitutional carry, not permitless carry, because in my humble opinion, you don't need a permit to exercise a constitutional right. Mm -hmm. This allows citizens to carry without having to bend a knee and and beg permission from the crown to exercise one of their constitutional rights. They know that that scares them, them being the Biden-Harris administration. Mm -hmm. This is all part of their war on guns and you know, having been in law enforcement, Brett, yes, uh, this is incredibly troubling to me that the FBI would do this. Uh, look, you are somebody who has served this nation uh, admirably and done and done great things uh, for this country to ensure that we have the right uh, to to live and to be free and all of this. Um, one one only has to go back though uh, to that heartbreaking moment last uh, uh, last uh, May or June when we saw that massacre at Uvalde. And and we yeah. saw uh, parents who were begging to go in there and trying to save these kids. Law enforcement was uh, obviously ill trained. Decided they didn't want to go in. Who knows what, what that what that cloud uh, will emerge with? Uh, but the bottom line is, having people who are trained with concealed carry permits um, that that that's that's a force multiplier for the good. I mean, look at Eli Dickens in the Greenwood, Indiana mall. Yep, forty yards away. He puts he, he hits the X ring and takes that guy up before he can do too much harm. Look at Jack Wilson down at the Texas Church. Took out the same guy at long distance. Constitutional carry, concealed carry, whatever you want to call it, works mm-hmm. because we realized long ago that we are our own first responders. I mean, and and Uvalde, my God, mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about an error uh, by law enforcement. That type of an active shooter is you don't need that much training if you're a cop to know what to do. You run to the gun. It's very simple. And they didn't. And so many young children and two valorous teachers paid with their lives. Amen. It's absolutely right. Psych, a, a sort of a broad question for you, though. What what do you think it is that drives these folks who seem to be so vicious about people practicing their Second Amendment rights? I mean, I, 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 I can understand when you have a, you know, you have the, the old Soviet Union, right? You wouldn't want your citizens armed because uh, you're, 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 you're basically abusing them, right? Removing their rights. But what is the upside for these politicians to want a disarmed society? I, I don't understand. Well, let me be clear about that. A, a disarmed legal society versus the rampant criminal activity that we see around the country. Yeah, that's a very important uh, <laughs> caveat there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But they are solely focused on disarming the law abiding. There are 20,000 gun laws in this country right now. 20,000. Okay. None of them focus on keeping guns out of the hands of bad guys. They solely focus on keeping guns out of the hands of law abiding people. It's crazy. I I mean, Joe Biden's entire war on guns. And if you don't believe how vast and, 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 uh, and creative in a bad way it is, go to his old campaign website. It's still there exactly what he wants to do. He wants to disarm law abiding Americans. And to me, for a host of reasons, I find that incredibly troubling. I mean, uh, the right to self-defense is a God-given right codified in the Constitution, in the U.S. Constitution, and in the Constitution of Florida, where I live. Should I not be able to access the best tools to defend myself and my family? Yeah, of course I should. And they they don't want that. And I can't figure that out. I mean, I have uh, some suspicions, Mm -hmm. uh, and none of them are good. Uh, visiting uh visiting with lee here on the uh, on the program talking about uh the gun rights but now now we should give the president 
and the former vice president, uh, full credit, he did once upon a time recommend that you go out on the balcony and fire uh, two pumps of the shotgun up in the air yeah. to, to get the bad yeah. guys to leave you alone, right? I mean, that, 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 that's, <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine the Secret Service was less than thrilled at that advice going, around, going on out there out of the, out of the, uh, out of the Naval Observatory. <laughs> I just, you know, well, you on. know, I, I worked as an investigative reporter at the newspaper in Wilmington, Delaware. I've known Joe for decades. I knew Bo yeah. uh, rather well. Um, yeah, Joe, uh, a tactical genius, he is not. <laughs> well, well, very diplomatically said, Lee. Very diplomatically said. Uh, f- finally, I want to I pivot off of this just for a brief moment. Uh, very generous with your time. We really should, though, recognize the, the gains that have been made, especially in this last Supreme Court session, um, uh, d- despite all the focus on Dobbs and, 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 and things like that. We did see a very big win, and it certainly afflicted greatly uh, Kathy Hochul there in the state of New York uh, on the idea of, of you being allowed to defend yourself. That was a big win, and I think gun owners, I'm one of them, uh, ought to be celebrating that even in the long term. You know, I work for the smartest guy in guns, Alan Gottlieb. He founded the Second Amendment Foundation. He's literally a genius. Yep. And I asked him about the Bruin decision, which is what you're talking about. And not only was it a big win, a huge win for gun owners. It's so big. We don't even know how big it is and how big it's going to be. But we're right now is a good time. We're going to be file, refiling cases, mm-hmm. filing more cases, filing cases we thought were mediocre. Uh, this is a busy time for the Second Amendment Foundation, gun owners, yep. NRA, you name it, because we're finally we finally got the decision we wanted. Actually, it was a hell of a lot better than we wanted. So now we're going to show the other side that, hey, right to keep and bear arms is not a second class right it is a constitutional right and we want to exercise it free of any infringement well said lee williams uh, again folks you can get more information head on over to the second amendment foundation saf.org saf.org so appreciate you uh being out there lee and and the organization alan as well uh helping to keep us uh, safe and free uh it is important to do that Appreciate you being there, my friend. My pleasure, Brett. Anytime. All the best. Hey, thanks, Lee. That was terrific. I really appreciate the uh, the time. Anytime. Just let me know. Will do. Absolutely. Enjoy the week. Thanks, Brett. Yep. And that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Devious Motives. Stand by. Friday's going to get very interesting starting tomorrow. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to Devious Motives. Devious Motives.